This is the Living in Fierce Alignment podcast, your go-to place for mindset transformation, self-empowerment, and personal development. I'm your host, Kayla. I'm a mindset coach for ambitious human beings who are wildly passionate about up-leveling themselves so that they can live a limitless life with ease. I'm here to show you how to create the life of your dreams and powerfully step into your full potential, and of course, live fiercely. So let's get started. Hello everyone, today we have a fabulous interview with Alea Harris. She is the spark for your spark. She's a powerhouse story brand certified guide, bioenergetic business consultant, empire building CEO of the Evolution Collective Inc., host of the Radical Rebirth Retreat LLC, host of the award-winning Flourishing Entrepreneur Podcast, and international award-winning speaker. She's committed to helping entrepreneurs, executives, leadership teams, and thought leaders differentiate themselves through radically authentic strategy coaching and training. Today's conversation is so juicy. She is the first guest that I've had on the channel that dives into public speaking, and I really go into this beautiful conversation with her around the importance of how to be an effective speaker and we actually break down her framework and give concrete examples and she shares a very powerful story at the end of our interview that really showcases everything that we've chatted about so I'm really excited for you to hear her share her wisdom it was absolutely beautiful and I really enjoyed our conversation make sure that you check out the show notes at the end of the conversation because there's some great resources there and ways to get connected with her so with that being said let's dive in Alea, I'm so excited to have you here today and I'm really looking forward to diving into this conversation welcome to the channel thank you very much for having me I'm excited to be here going to be such a juicy conversation and how I want to start this off today is I would love for you to share with us because obviously my audience were all entrepreneurs I would love for you to share how you got into your journey of being an entrepreneur and we're just going to flow with the conversation from there Absolutely. So my, um, this is my second foray into being an entrepreneur. My first was when I was a private chef and catering company owner. So I had started in the um, uh, fashion and cosmetic industries, hated it. I was like, this is just like, no, there's no soul here. Um, and from there I got laid off so I don't have to worry about it. And I went to culinary school and became a private chef. And then I ended up being very fortunate with a private chef for people in stage and screen and music and flying all around the world doing that. And, but then I was part of somebody else's entourage and I wanted to be the person, not the entourage. You know, I wanted to shine bright like a diamond, if you will. So I knew that I needed a different path and I wasn't really wanting to stay within the entrepreneurship chef route. So I was, I applied for jobs and I ended up being a vendor partner on, at Google um, on their food team, them doing marketing for their food team and then rose up through the ranks, became the head of marketing for a large um, corporate food service and facilities management company running up North America um, for marketing. And then I was laid off again. And then I said, okay, well, do I want to still be doing this thing with this corporate thing? Or do I want to go back out on my own? And I decided to go back out on my own. The timing was less 
than ideal because this is February 2020. And in March 2020, that's when the pandemic happened. So I then was like, nope, still want to do this. I ended up having a wonderful publicist who got me going in the industry that I'm in now in the wedding catering and events industry. Well, industry I was in then, the wedding catering and events industry. And then I've since branched out from there. But it was at that moment that I really launched my career as a speaker doing lots of free speaking, lots of free speaking. So if you're listening as an entrepreneur and you want to be a speaker and you're like, I'm going to start changing $10,000 for my first speaking gig, I wouldn't recommend it. Um, that tends to be not how that works. Um, I do charge $10,000 per engagement plus now 10 to 15 now. Um, but I've been doing this for years and I've spoken more times than I ever thought I wanted to speak. <laughs> Truthfully, I remember one year I flew so much and I, I love it or hate it. I fly Southwest and you have different levels of like you have your a-list you have your a-list preferred and then you have the last level is the companion pass which you earn basically by flying almost every single week of the year and that's what I did and it's like this almost like a consolation prize like yay since you fly so much and you never get to see your family maybe you should take one of them with you <laughs> so in my current role, I am an award-winning international speaker. I also am a bioenergetic business consultant. So I took the energy work that I kind of unwittingly had been doing most of my career with people. I got some deeper knowledge in it, got some certification around the different types of modalities and now offer that to entrepreneurs in a coaching and consulting um, environment, as well as doing corporate wellness and corporate culture consulting. I love this. I love hearing how much you pivoted. And obviously when you talked about the timing right in the pandemic, I was like, oh, like such a blessing in disguise, but also just pure chaos, right? Absolute oh, chaos. absolutely. Absolutely. Pivot. I feel like I was doing the Watutsi. I mean, it was just like, left and right, left and right. And, and I don't, I'm not in so much of a pivot mode, but now I, I have a riches, a riches of lessons, I guess is how I will say. And because of all the pivots and all of the things that I've gone through, I have learned many, many times over all of the things that I need to do or overcome and all of the talents that I have that I can bring. Now it's really about honing it in and and getting focused. And so I recently actually blew up my company and started again. Um, I was a, the Evolution Collective Inc. was already, always the parent company, but it was running with a DBA called uh, Flourish Marketing. And we were a marketing company as the name would suggest. Um, but when I went through Goldman Sachs' 10,000 Small Businesses Program, the advisors were very confused by the name of my company because they were like, well, but that makes it sound like you're doing just marketing. And I said, I am. And they said, you're not, you're doing strategy. And I said, oh, am I? I said, yes. So I, I then rolled back up to my parent company and it was another pivot, but it was a lot of the clarity that I needed because that's the place that I love the most, helping people clarify their vision, understand if it's even theirs or if it's something that they inherited 
from someone else, like a belief that they inherited, or uh, they're using fear as a tool to push forward, which leads them to make you know, trauma-based decisions rather than actually mutually beneficial decisions for them and their audience, things like that. That's what I did and that's what I do. So that's why we went through a, a refresh and we're back at it better than ever. I love it. So I have a question. We, they say that you can connect the dots looking back. And I feel like you have such a unique, like there's such a distinct shift in terms of like chef and now being a speaker and like supporting in the coaching industry and that kind of thing. And I'm just curious, looking back, what do you think are some of the biggest skills that you picked up that were underrated that are making the biggest impact for you now? Speaking is definitely an underrated skill, whether you're doing it from the stage or you're just being able to tell stories in a compelling and effective way. I was a child in elementary school that got great grades, but was always in trouble for talking in class. I also do not, I can whisper more now. My husband would probably disagree with that statement, but I definitely couldn't whisper in elementary school. So it wouldn't even matter if the other kid was doing all the talking, but when I responded, that's what the teacher heard, right? So being able to then use the power of your voice, for me, it was a God-given talent that I was going to talk to somebody. I couldn't help myself. But at the time, it was always looked down upon or, oh, I was, you know, always engaging and participating. And so then, you know, you're in class, fast forward to high school or even college where you raise your hand for the 10th time. Nobody else is raising their hand, but the teacher doesn't call on you because they're like, we need to hear a voice from somebody else. I'm like, look, it's not my fault that the other people aren't participating. <laughs> I think that over the years, the, the skill of using my voice as a tool rather than letting other people quiet it has been incredibly important. Telling stories has also been really important. And I don't mean like once upon a time, I mean, being able to empathize with somebody else to, to tell their story back to them, being able to empathize with somebody else to share part of my story so that they know that they are not alone, being able to empathize with somebody else to hear their full story and understand how we can then build a future story together. Those skill sets are what I use with individual bioenergetic business consulting. It's also what I use in large companies when we're doing five-year strategic planning or when we're healing uh, corporate rifts between people. Understanding each other's stories is a huge deal. And that just comes from me being naturally curious. I feel like a lot of times I didn't have an option, right? Like I didn't have a lot of tools at my disposal. So I had to get really curious about whatever I did have in front of me to figure out how I was going to use it to move forward while doing something that I loved that allowed me to bring forth my purpose as opposed to just checking a box and making money and hating every moment of it. I'm really appreciating what you're sharing around, you know, speaking. It's all about listening as well. Like as much as we think it's about the words coming out of our mouths, it's really going to tie back to like how well you're listening because how you listen and how you respond is how you connect with other people. So I'm Absolutely. curious. We're like going down this little rabbit hole now that you've shared that speaking has been like one of the most underrated skills. If somebody were to, let's say today, wanted to improve their speaking, what would be like three tips that you would give them 
that would allow them to shift that or to start looking at, oh, wow, maybe I am a shitty listener or maybe I need to stop holding myself back or whatever it is that comes up that you notice people struggle with the most. Okay, I'm getting on a soapbox now. Are you ready? We're getting up on it. I'm up. If you're going to speak from the stage, you have to have something to say. I know that that sounds so basic, but it has to be something that you are giving me to the, to the audience that I am receiving from you. Not something that you got from a course that you're regurgitating back to me. Not something that you heard on somebody else's podcast. You, dear speaker, need something unique to say that adds to the collective conversation. If you are wanting to get up and speak on a stage because you just think, oh, everybody needs to see all of this, all of this goodness, please do not. That's the number one mistake that I see from most speakers that they don't actually have something to say. And it takes them hours to come up with a presentation that's so not unique, that doesn't actually help me. So that's the first thing. The second thing that I would say, if you are a speaker, most of the time people say, I don't have the confidence to get on stage. That usually comes from two things. One, you are having self-worth issues. Or two, you think that you're getting up and people actually care about you. They do not. I've spoken in front of audiences of two. I've spoken in front of audiences of 200, 2,000. They do not care about you. What they care about is solving their problem. That is an incredibly huge relief, should be, for you. Because that means that, yeah, I mean, you look presentable, you know, present it clearly. But if you are spitting that fire information in a way that it's engaging and people are understanding what you're saying and they're able to make a difference in their lives, it doesn't really matter if you, oh, I got my slides out of order. All those things that you're worried about. Because it's not about you. It's about helping other people. If your issue is a sense of unworthiness, I invite you to write a list of all of your successes. I did that and I read it. Now I read it more often than I did before because uh, at the time of this recording, I'm in the middle of launching a program. And when you're in a launching of a program, you're just like, oh, but are they going to like it? Are they going to like me? Are they going to want me? Am I worthy? Like, go back to my list. Let me go back to my list and reread this list. And, and use it to remember who you are and remember what value you have to give. And the third thing that I would say is if you're going to be a speaker, you have to tell stories. People think that they might tell one in the beginning. First of all, don't ever open up with, thank you so much for having me here. I'd like to thank the association. I'd like to thank the director of education. I'd like to thank the director's education's dog. Like, no, no. You start off with a captivating statement that makes people kind of sit back a little bit and go, whoa, what was that? What was that? Start off with a problem that's going to hook me in. When you get up on that stage and you are telling stories, you start off with a great story that starts off with a time and place. When you're telling that story, though, it needs to connect to your content, needs to, it could be about you, but you need to tell very clearly what the moral of that story is, and it needs to not be the only one in your presentation. Good presenters tell anywhere between eight to 10 stories per presentation. 
to lock in that information. It's not just at the beginning of the end, and it's a way to illustrate the information to make it more memorable. So that was, that's the advice I would give there. No, it's brilliant. And one thing that I, I really love is I was actually having a conversation with my fiance yesterday, and we we're talking about how there's such a difference between being likable and being nice versus actually being a stand for something. And so the first thing you said when you talked about having something to say is that I think having something to say, and you even said the very first thing that you say needs to be something that has people like sit back and be like, whoa, you know, like you kind of hit them. I think that I think a lot of people, they they probably show up on stage if they're inexperienced and like, oh, I want I want them to like me. Right. Mm -hmm. And then that just becomes like a completely inauthentic experience of you showing up and using your voice. Yeah. Well, because then it, like I said, that it's all about you. I never, most of the time people read my bio or they, or they read it as they introduce me or whatever, but I never read my bio. I don't have a bio slide. I don't have a picture. I mean, I sometimes will drop my picture throughout the presentation, but I don't have like a slide with my picture and my finer points. No one cares right? If, if for some reason I was a rando off the street, this has never happened. They've never, they never read anything about me. They don't even know the presentation is happening. Then maybe I might say like, Hey, this is, I'm a lay and this is what I do very briefly. And then I, but I wouldn't do that at the very beginning. I would maybe do that after five or six slides once we get into it. And the only reason why I'm telling you who I am and what I do is so that you feel comfortable that I'm the person that can help you through this. That's it. When, you need to realize that people can only take in so much information at once. What you want when you're on the stage is for them to buy from you while they're sitting there. They sign up for your program before you even finish. I mean, yeah, that would be amazing, but that's not how people work. You have to work at the speed of relationship. The first thing they need to know is, are you going to add value to my life? Now, I want you to hear how I said that. I, are you going to add value to my life? Not are you valuable? Your worth is intrinsic, right? It's not about are you worthy, but it's are you going to add value to my life? Because everybody that's sitting in that audience is thinking of a very specific problem they are trying to solve in relation to the overall theme of that event. So are you going to add value to their lives to help them solve that particular issue that they're dealing with most blatantly right now? And if you can prove that you are, then they will want to build that relationship with you further. If you sit up there and talk about yourself with no moral, or you're just telling this story and it's going on and on and on, and there's no structure, then you might as well not even have an offer because no one's going to buy from you. I'm loving the level of liberation that there is in realizing that public speaking has nothing to do with the speaker. And how it really is about the public, like literally public speaking, you're speaking to the public and it's about making a contribution. Yet people get so scared. Actually, it's it's so funny listening to you and having you mirror back the things that I didn't realize unconsciously, because I actually love public speaking, like obviously been podcasting forever. Like I have a teaching background, like it's just natural to me, like I don't get freaked out by it yet. I've seen and I don't know how accurate it is that the number one fear people have is public speaking. Over and it's death. like. Yes, over death specifically. And it's like the fear of looking bad, the fear of being rejected, like all of that. And it all has to do with wanting to be liked over giving yep. a shit around making a difference. That's yep. what I'm really hearing. Yeah, you have to, 
the reason you're on that stage is because you have something that you need people to hear to help improve their lives. You care about them improving their lives. If it gives you money in the end, that's great. But there's other ways to make money, right? So if you're just wanting to get in leads, run some Facebook ads, right? You don't need to get on stage to, it's not the only way to generate leads and, and to gain visibility for yourself. But if you're speaking, respect the medium. Don't be a blog post. Like, you know, like how you have the, the meeting that could be an email. I've sat in so many speaking presentations that could have been a blog post, right? Connect with people. Tell a story. Use your body. Use your voice. Use the stories that you have to tell to be able to convey something that will change lives. I do not care if you're talking about accounting. I don't care if you're talking about engineering. You're a doctor. You're a lawyer. You're a coach. Whatever you are, you have the ability to change someone's life from the stage. But you have to believe that and believe so much in your content that that is what you're presenting. You've thought about it. And you've thought about all the pitfalls of the content that you heard before. Maybe you've done your own pri um, primary research, right? That's so lacking in most of the presentations that I sit in. They're regurgitating. Tell me about a case study of your client. Tell me about your system. Tell me about the flaws that you've seen firsthand. You go through all of the, the, the courses and the classes and you find what works, you leave what doesn't, and you help us move the conversation forward. This is so good. I really appreciate you sharing this because I think it's such a great, even if it's funny because we're talking about talking on stage, but you can use this for your Instagram stories. You can use this for YouTube videos, like, there's so many ways to be on stage without physically being on stage. Like, of course, people might be visualizing like a TED talk or some kind of professional like work presentation, but this is applicable to anything. Even when yeah, actually it's hilarious because now I'm thinking about posting on social media and it's like, how often do we post things hoping that people are going to like it rather than giving a shit if what you're saying is actually going to make a difference for the people consuming it. Right. Uh, and then, you know, the whole point is that once it makes a different difference for them, they do like it. That, exactly. That's, that's how you get them to like it <laughs> by actually having something that's like a bull. <laughs> <laughs> when, when I work with people one-on-one -on -one and I'm doing coaching or consulting, I, I um, I'm thinking of a particular VP and in educational institution right now. And she isn't necessarily a, public speaker for for a living right like she doesn't want to go into drum up leads she has a job she has a very good job right so it that's not what it's about but all of these things still apply and it's getting it's been about getting her to get out of her own way to be able to understand how to use frameworks to communicate without sounding rigid to be dynamic to understand what your unique offering is and your unique style is when I coach people I'm not trying to coach you to be me I'm trying to coach you to be you there's only one of me just like there's only one of you and the gift that you have to provide is a gift that I will benefit from that's why it was given to you as a gift that's how humanity works the core of you is designed the way that it's designed to uplift yourself and others that's my firm belief 
So the closer you get to the core of who you are, the closer you get to being radically authentic in how you present yourself and your message, whether you're doing professional speaking for a living, you're, you're speaking as an executive or an entrepreneur to your team or to small groups. When you get to that core, people will relate to you. They'll hear your message much more readily than they would have otherwise. Yes, this is so brilliant. So now that we're diving into frameworks, you are the founder and creator of the Flourishing Empire Framework. And I would love for you to talk about this because what I'm really hearing in the work that you do is there's no cookie cutter approach here. It's really about making how you show up as a person for the people that you're showing up for and to be yourself. And so I would love if you can share with us how you created this framework and how you utilize it in your business and with your clients and through consulting, because I think that this is just going to continue to paint a beautiful picture for our listeners today. Absolutely. So the Flourishing Empire Framework has three stages, get real, get clear and get connected. You get real with yourself by excavating what is no longer serving you and replenishing with what is. Because the core of who you are, like I just spoke about, is the 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 beautiful part that has your passion, it has your purpose, but you cover it all up with other people's opinions, your judgments, other people's judgments, trauma, moments that maybe didn't seem to matter at the time, but then created seismic shifts later. All of those crap, all of crap, basically, covers up who you really are. And that is the place from that place where you will be able to be the most successful, not operating in fear and judgment and doubt and shame, which truthfully is where a lot of us operate most of the time from. I've operated out of fear before and I made like a couple of coins here that I could rub together, but nothing substantial didn't stick, didn't stick because I was not operating from the core of who I was from my radically authentic self. So we do that work together. I, I do it from the stage. I do it in consulting and I do it um, in coaching. And then we get clear because there's one thing for you to know who you are, but it's another thing then for you to be able to tell that to somebody else. Uh, and that's where the money starts to be made. It needs to be clear. I need to understand why you are different than other people, why I should listen to you, what problem you solve for me and how you solve it better than anybody else. So I use, I'm a StoryBrand certified guide and I use the StoryBrand framework to help people get clear on their own radically authentic story. Then from there, if you have that radically authentic story and you're a fabulous person, but that story stays in your desk drawer, it won't help you. You then need to go out and connect with other people. So we talk about how to create business strategies, marketing strategies that allow you to reach your ideal, ideal client, bring your team together, build stronger company cultures, those types of things based on your radically authentic story and the radically authentic story of your audience or team. This is amazing. And I I want to ask you, because typically when we create a workable framework, it usually comes from past experiences of like the trials and tribulations that we've been through. And I'm just curious, what were some of the biggest challenges that you overcame that allow you to create this framework that now is so effective in how you use it in your business? I had a lot of, in that winding road of my career journey, I had a lot of who am I moments. I think I've read the purpose driven life like 10 times. Like, what is my purpose? Who am I? 
And it wasn't until I spent years going through my journey and then trying to look back and find the connection points that I realized that my core purpose is to love people and down the highest versions of themselves to be the spark for their spark when and I know that that is not a me given thing because I was still able to do that even through the darkest moments of my postpartum depression I was still sparking everybody's spark oh my god you have so much energy oh my god I love it oh my god you made me feel great meanwhile I just finished crying in the bathroom right it's not from me it's that again that core deep within me purpose that is happening in CVS and the grocery store. And it's happening on the stage and it's happening in consulting. It's it, it just kind of is going to happen and fall out of my mouth regardless. And so I said, well, how do I help other people realize that this, they need to do the work to figure out what that core piece of them is first, that radically authentic piece is first before they move forward because when you don't what happens is you get burned out because you're working against yourself or you're working within using judgment fear and shame as the tools in your tool belt and they're not great they're kind of they're kind of ghetto so when you use those tools you don't get very far and you end up being out of alignment with your own personal glow and your cash flow and so i said okay I've been there. I've been out of alignment with my glow, my cash flow, my everything. And I know what it's like. And I have gifting that allows me to realize that in myself and others. So I said, well, if we get real and we put things in a story format so people can understand who they are most readily, because what happens is, is you unearth yourself and you're like, oh, I've had this epiphany and just call me like Buddha sitting underneath a tree and I'm just great. And then like a week later, you're like, and what was that epiphany? He's not sticky. It's not sticky because you have an epiphany that lasts a moment and it has to fight against training, mental training that you've been putting yourself through on all of the negative stuff for the, the whole rest of your life, except for that one moment. And it's that one moment is not strong enough often to create that lasting change, but a story is powerful. Because it's the stories that we tell ourselves that shape our internal worlds and our identity. So the story that we tell ourselves needs to change and you need to have it written down and you need to be able to see it so that you can communicate it over and over and over to yourself and to others and so the challenges that I overcome was I found myself I lost myself I found myself I lost myself I found myself I lost myself and some of that is unearthing like a, like using like your development as an onion you're just peeling back layers and some of it was because I forgot my story I I my memory wasn't strong enough to remember what I really loved and was passionate about when this other shiny object popped up. So writing that story is incredibly important. And then sharing it with others is the way to bring in that abundance and that connection, that community that you're seeking, because then you're super clear on who you are. So they know exactly what they're getting and they can enjoy you and you can enjoy being in relationship with them. I'm getting so much value from you sharing today because. I just, I can really sense how much you care about people and how much you care about amplifying their commitment and their impact that they want to make with other people. And I'm really loving the emphasis of stories because I feel like this is the new marketing. You know, being able to tell a really good story, you know, some people get all hung up like, oh, I hate marketing and selling and whatever. And it's like marketing is sharing. And what you share are stories. Stories are what keep cultures alive. 
It's what keeps races alive. It's what keeps religion alive. It, it keeps things alive. And when we're unable to tell effective stories, we lose that. And so I would love if you can share some of your feedback that in order to create, create a captivating story, maybe just for your audience, but also for you to remember, because you shared about how like we forget who we are, like we find ourselves, we lose ourselves. Like how do we create a story that sticks for us and also captivates others? First of all, the story needs to have a time and a place. So I would encourage you, if I, if I tell a story to somebody else, I usually start off with something very sensory. Oh, I was standing in the rain and I was cold and I felt blah, 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 blah. I smelled this. The texture of my jacket was that. Ground yourself into a time and place. And it's even better if you can ground yourself into the time and place where the problem started. <laughs> because then you won't go back there because you will remember it very palpably. So let's say that you have a problem with self-worth and your self-worth came because your mom was really hard on you. And you remember very specifically you won the spelling bee, but your mom thinks you should have done it faster, right? Let's say, I don't, I'm making all this up as I go along, right? So the part, and that really was your, the defining moment for you for being like, no matter what I do, I'm never good enough. So the, the beginning of your story is going to say it was 1995 and my golden spelling bee trophy was covered in saltwater tears because while I was a winner, I, my mom made me feel like the biggest loser. And I was on the stage signing, uh, shining in front of everybody but dull on the inside. The more they clapped, the more my light went out, right? That's the beginning of your story. As you move forward from there, you the problem that you're solving, you talk then about, well, what then do I want instead of that? And you also talk about who then guided me to move forward? What are the steps that I took, the three steps to move forward from where I was to where I am now? And what does success look like? And what does failure look like if I don't stay on this path? That's for when you're trying to remind yourself of your own story. When you're trying to then use your story to connect with others, you again can start off in the same. I had this experience, this problem that I'm solving. Isn't that kind of like your problem? This is the problem that I can help guide you through the one who has this plan to walk you through so that you can lead to success and avoid failure. Again, that is a high level of empathy when either you can share what you've been through and relate to somebody else's struggle, or you can show how you have helped other people go through it. I hope everyone is taking notes right now <laughs> because you're giving us so many incredible nuggets so many amazing frameworks and just like examples of how to literally write your story, how to show up, how to share, how to be authentic, how to stop making it about yourself and looking good and just being fucking real with people. This is so good. Absolutely. Absolutely. I would love to ask you, because I know that you've had a lot of practice with this. I would love to invite you to share a story of one of your biggest triumphs that you've had that you would love to impact the audience with today i know i just put you on the spot but i one also know that you're triumphs Ooh. like one of the it's like, funny yes. because people put me on the spot for storytelling a lot because yes. you know you say you're a storyteller so people are like so tell it go monkey jump but 
it's always, they always ask, tell me the story of one of your biggest uh, pitfalls or challenges. So that I love, thank you for asking me about something more positive. <laughs> Good. Let's hear it. Let me think. Okay. Let me think. What am I going to tell? 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 Mm, okay. 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 So it was a normal day for me. I started off on Pilates, my Pilates reformer. And, you know, I went home, had a good breakfast, and all of a sudden the pain started. And it just kept getting worse and worse and worse and worse. But I wasn't worried because I knew it was coming. This, my friends, was the beginning of labor. <laughs> I knew that everything was going to be just fine. I had my doula. I had my husband there. I was ready and I was going to do it drug free. Fast forward an hour after that, and I looked my doula straight in the eyes and said, how fast can we get to the hospital? Shoot me up with whatever drug they have. I don't care if it's legal or not. <laughs> because if any of you have ever been in labor, you realize that it is one of the most difficult things that you will ever experience. But it only got worse from there. I'm not going to lie. I got to the hospital and I couldn't even walk. They had to get, wheel me to our car on our grocery cart and pull, pile me into the car. And I said, I got there and I said, where are the drugs? And they hooked me up to the drugs. And then the drugs, the epidural failed three times. And somewhere in the middle, when I was having these contractions, I said, this is not something, this is not how this is supposed to work, right? This is not how this is supposed to be. 36 hours later, I was still there and still in labor. During that time, the nurses came in and the doctors came in and they said, we're going to have to do a C-section. And I said, absolutely not. That sounds like a horrible recovery. I was not signing up for major surgery. I just want to meet my daughter. So that's a no. And I tried all of the things that I didn't even know they could do to push forward. And I then I had a moment, sweating, crying, barely there, haven't really eaten in 36 hours where they said, no, you, you are really going to have to make this decision. But luckily they let me come to it. And so I called my spiritual guide and I said, hey, look, I don't know how to let this go. And she told me to do three things. One, to write down what was holding me back. What was I trying to prevent myself from experiencing? Two, she told me to look around and feel the love that was in the room and realize that the love that I was experiencing for my daughter and from the universe is greater to that than that. And that can see me through pretty much anything. And three, she told me to write pros and cons. And we wrote it together on the phone while I'm laying in the bed, can't feel my legs. And she said, is there anything on the cons list? And I said, yeah. She said, what's on the cons list? I said, my selfishness. She said, yeah. So what are you going to do? I said, I'm going to have this C-section. In that moment, my biggest triumph 
was realizing that I was stronger than I think, even in the moment when I felt the weakest. I was exhausted, emotionally frazzled, physically spent. And yet I still had the clarity of mind to know when I needed help, know how to ask for help, process that help and make good decisions. When you're living through a life, when it seems like things just keep getting worse and worse and worse and going off the plan and you're burned out and you're tired and you're confused and you're hurt, there is always and will always be a part of you that is still and small and clear, that knows how to make the best decision, knows how and who to ask for help, knows how to help you reach your highest good because your highest good is always conspiring for your benefit. In the end, I had the C-section. And let me tell you, those C-section drugs were better than anything I had gotten all day. I was flying high. I had to ask the the uh, nurse anesthetist um, if she, if I, my legs were elevated because they felt like they were floating. She goes, no, they're actually strapped down the table. I said, ooh, don't let this get out on the streets. This stuff is great. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh, I loved that story. I don't have children yet. It will happen. And when it happens, I'm going to remember the story. I'm going to remember the story. I love that I had the idea to ask you to share a story because I feel like you literally just tied everything together that we talked about today. So listeners, notice how like you obviously you were speaking about yourself, but you were really emphasizing, you know, the triumphs that you had, the challenges that you overcame, and you made it applicable for the people to take it and apply to their own life, whether it's childbirth, whether you're birthing a business whether you're making difficult decisions, health complications, and you have to decide to cut your leg off, whatever it is, that was brilliant. Thank you. I appreciate that. And thank you for asking me. I always love sharing a good story. Yes. Well, I think it's so important. You know, it's one thing to say, you know, I'm inviting you on. And I specifically told her before he records listeners, I'm like, I'm going to position you as an expert because you are. And we went through the frameworks. It's like, here's the applicable things here's what it looks like when it's tied in a bow so that you have the evidence to be like, oh, this makes sense. I can do this and walk away from this episode and be more confident in storytelling and speaking and sharing yourself and making it about other people. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And by the way, my daughter is healthy and wonderful and everything else happened great. She's stinking cute. You can follow her on Instagram at Ruby Coral Harris. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love it. I will definitely put that in the show notes. Before I wrap before I wrap up our conversation today, I always ask my interviewees, I would love for you to share what is a piece of wisdom that you intuitively want to drop with our listeners today? It doesn't have to be that hard. Life in general has veins of ease that you can tap into and flow in and yes it means you're doing the work yes it means it'll be worth it yes it means you're worthy even if you're not working so hard it can be easy I was having a conversation with somebody yesterday who does consulting um in uh, Washington DC among many 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 other things she just did her TED talk she's a fabulous human being and she said that she had just 
walked out of doing media training for, I believe it was Congress or something like that. And she was just walking on a cloud. She goes, oh my gosh, was it really that easy? Did it need to be that easy? And she was just, she said she was walking on sunshine and then she got back to her, to her hotel and the doors were mirror doors on the elevator. And she looked at herself and she was drenched in water. She had been walking through rain. It was raining. She had no idea because she was on such a high because it had been so enjoyable. She was, it was, came out to with such ease. It, she felt like she was in that vein of bliss. And I'm telling you that that is possible. It doesn't have to be so hard to accomplish your goals. I love this. I love the, the metaphor of the veins. You know, it's like life has these veins and it's, they're going to go in different ways. And sometimes there's a blood clot, but Sometimes it works out. You know, I think that that was such a beautiful reminder. I needed to hear that message today. You know, like, yeah, what if it can be easy? You know, yeah, there's such a, yeah. there's such a, there's such a effort equals, you know, results mentality in the world that is just so like, I feel lighter hearing that. So thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. That's what I'm here for. Yes. And <laughs> Can you please tell our audience how they can work with you and where they can connect with you? And I'm going to put all those notes in the show notes. Absolutely. So the best place, my my hub website, if you will, is aleaharris.com, A-L-E-Y-A-H-A-R-R-I-S.com. There you can link out to all of the places, including social media, and you can book me to speak and also book a call to talk with me. Uh, the Evolution Collective Inc. is my bioenergetic business consultancy, Evolution Collective com. That's great if you want to learn more about my bioenergetic business consulting services. If you're having challenges with your team, if you're planning a leadership or team retreat and you're looking for workshop facilitation or keynote speaking there as well, I can help you out. That's amazing. Thank you so much for coming on today. It was such a pleasure to have you share. This is the first time I've ever really talked about speaking on my channel and it's going to be so valuable. So thank you again for coming on. Thank you for having me. So good. And just so the listeners know, I will include, depending on when this is, there will be the link for the interview that I did on Alea's channel in the show notes as well. So you can check that out and check out her podcast. So that will be there. And I just want to thank everyone for listening today. I hope you got some juicy notes. You're going to go out there, speak your heart out. And if you can take a moment to subscribe to the channel and leave a review, I would greatly appreciate that. And I will chat with you in the next episode. 